Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music with me, Millie Cotton. On today's episode, I've got Joy Crooks, who's a singer-songwriter from South London and she's without a doubt one of the most exciting emerging talents this year. In this episode, we chat about everything from her dual descent and identity to female comparison to mental health and social media. We cover quite a lot and honestly, I wish that I'd had more time to spend with Joy because she's so fascinating and she's so willing to be open about her mental health online and in person, which I think is super important, especially within the music industry. You don't hear enough young female artists talking about how the industry affects their mental health or problems that they've had prior to entering the music industry and then how they then deal with those while being in it. I should also probably point out that the sound quality for this episode isn't as good as the past two. It was the first time that I had recorded out of the house, and while this isn't an excuse, it is an excuse, and I can only promise that the next few will be better. But anyway, if you enjoyed the episode, please do rate, review, and subscribe, and share the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hey Joy, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, thank you so much for having me here and for coming on the podcast, it's super exciting. I try. <laughs> so I'm going to start with a quick fire round. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is the last thing that you listened to? It was one of my own songs. It's not released yet, but it was just a, a song about a hurricane. And I was just listening to it to work out if it was any good, but it was, because I listened to it in the car, and I was screaming it down Kennington on the way here, so can't complain. Um, what's your favourite dance move? Oh, uh, the crisscross. What is the crisscross? It's like when you... Do... Crisscross, yeah, okay, yeah, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> your craziest fan story? Um, in what way? I don't, I don't know, like weird social media messages. Um. Okay, I've got the crazy fan story. I did a show in LA and um, I didn't think that anyone would turn up because it was a secret show and it was in the backyard. And I announced it at 1pm and it was at 7pm and like 150 people turned up, which was just in a backyard, just, just a lot in like someone's yeah, like garden. And then um, I... Uh, I met this girl there, I think her name was Tamara, and she told me that she'd come to my show in London um, at Jazz Cafe, and she was saying that um, she was saying that she fell in love with someone there, and she's writing a script about it. Oh my god, and that's she amazing! Told me it's in LA, so it was just like that was quite bizarre. Like that was a weird one re- from recently. I mean, there was also a fan there that we had to kick out. <laughs> like, so I mean, <laughs> silver linings. Uh, Twitter or Instagram? Probably Instagram, because it's just better dopamine. From likes? No, just like, I don't know, just, you, you, it just really punches you in the face all the time. Um, the first gig that you played? I played... Oh, my God. Um, first gig I've ever played? Bloody hell. Probably at school. Like a school, like a summer concert or something like that. Probably that. What are you reading at the moment? Queenie by Candice Carty Williams. A song that reminds you of childhood. Um, Toxic by Britney Spears. The last person you text? Um, probably my manager. Your most used profanity? Most fuck. Oh, shite. 
Perfect. Yeah. Favourite song to play? A song called Nothing Without You by Nusrat Fatih Ali Khan. He's a Qawwali singer from Pakistan and just the song does very weird things to me. What was the first gig that you went to? Dub Pistols in Brixton or somewhere with my dad and I fell asleep so I forgot <laughs> the whole thing apparently. But I mean, I don't remember it. So you have just got back from LA, how was it? It was over and underwhelming if anything. Oh really? Yeah. Why? It was overwhelming because like, I'd spent the morning in Elephant and Castle and like you, you fly in the afternoon, you arrive there in like the evening. It's like you go to a, another world basically and then we were on Hollywood Boulevard. And it was just like, how on earth did I end up here? So that was the overwhelming side. The underwhelming is kind of like seeing the reality of LA and the, like the reality of Hollywood and what it does to people. And also like the disparity in the city and the homelessness and the drug abuse. What were you doing when you were out there? Just writing songs. Oh, okay, cool. That sounds good. I guess a good place to start is if we go back to when you were making covers on YouTube and you had a video go out on the channel Colours. So they uploaded May I Sleep With Danger. And then what happened next? How did it go from there? I was just on a tour when that happened with Jacob Banks. And then I came back to London. I think I just wrote music. Well, that was the end of 2017, that video. So uh, all of the beginning of last year. Oh, I know, I went to Bangladesh. Um, went to see family, like, it's always a really grounding experience. I think people just have this conception that I, Bangladesh like created everything for me. It's like I just took a trip. Like mm. yeah, it was really grounding and amazing experience. But I didn't come back and start singing about like the goats in my village. Do you know what I mean? It was just really grounding and it was really really useful because tours are so up and down and not grounding mm -hmm. and very um, fast paced and so much validation and so much. Um, you know, um, affirmation every night. That actually going to Bangladesh and, and just doing up, eating in my village and seeing family and no Wi-Fi was really important for me to get my headspace right for yep. the beginning of the year. And also January is quite a depressing month. So coming back kind of mid-January is really helpful and just getting into sessions and also just getting people over at my house and writing with them. Um, it just felt like a really clean slate and just writing, wrote the two EPs basically. So what was your process for writing your EPs? My process is probably, I mean, it's really complicated. I think people think that artists like, okay, I sit myself in this chair and I tilt it 90 degrees. Songs, they kind of just, um, some fall out of you, some are kind of cooked up in sessions, some are forced and some songs some of my best songs, I um, I literally just knew I had something good on my hands just from a small idea and I let it sit and do the work itself on it. Do you start with lyrics and then... No, no. every time changes. Okay. Every time. You can start a whole song and just like, I saw an advertisement, that's how I wrote Mother Music Danger. Yeah, on Facebook there was a, uh, uh, an advertisement for this song, well not the song, sorry, the film called Mother Music with Danger and I went, that's the title of my song and then just wrote it. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's this like intimacy with pretty much all of your songs that sort of like weaves through. And is it ever hard sharing such vulnerable things about yourself? Or do you ever feel vulnerable or do you find it empowering? I don't find it vulnerable. I think it's, maybe it's empowering. It just feels quite honest. It feels like I'm doing the right thing when I write lyrics that are like genuinely talking about things that have happened because it's like the only place that I have like full reign to say what I want to say. So if I, if I clouded that in, or oh, maybe I shouldn't say that, da, da, da. There are times in the studio where I say, do you think I should say that? 
because it might be too political and might not actually be worded very well or it might be but at no point do I say oh do you think I should say that because my label will think this and that I never think of stuff like that Never. Do you use your socials, do you think, for talking about politics or talking about mental health? And... Yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. I think I share things and also I kind of... I think you've got to practice what you preach as well. Um, my main thing is being honest and being, like, a genuine human being online. And, like, when people meet me, I, I, they're not being a huge gap between, oh, my God, you're nothing like you seemed online. Uh, because it's so easy to put the best foot forward online. And don't get me wrong, it's not, I don't put my life on there. But I think that I try and be as honest as possible to a like appropriate level, basically. Um, when I feel shit, I tell people, like, I had a shit day today. Hope you don't. Do you think it sort of brings you closer to your audience as well? I think for them, yeah, because of the way that some of my fans treat me and some of the conversations we have, I think that they... Like, it's always quite nerve-wracking meeting someone when you've, like, really listened to their music and like their music, you don't know them. But I think that I always try and calm that down and... and some of the comments, like, I get young girls telling me that they wore their first Pakistani earrings, that they were so ashamed of wearing their whole childhood and then they finally wore it. So it's, yeah, I think I, I think I do a good job at that. Not that that's my priority. I think it's more, um, it's a little bit more selfish than that. I just think of, I don't just think of myself, but I just try and make sure it comes from myself and not that I'm just like some fucking saviour. When you were growing up, did you feel represented? I think naturally because of, you know, Western media and the way it generally is, yeah, there was a lot of white girls on TV. I didn't, like, actively go, oh, I see myself so different to this. Mm. But I think as I got older, obviously, I knew I didn't look that way. And then that presents itself in, like, daily life and going to secondary school and the secondary school I went to had quite a few white girls in it. And because my primary school didn't, I just was surrounded by Latin or black girls. Um, where I guess it was more about my personality being different than how I looked but I uh, obviously look very different because I, every time I meet someone they think I'm from somewhere else and um, and I don't know many Bangladeshi Irish people and because of where I'm from in Bangladesh it's a certain like features in your mm. face that you don't necessarily have a lot of here because a lot of people from Bangladesh here are from the north and from the south um, and like southeast, so your know, countries are big, and like people change and look different across a country. You know, taking I mean, we used to be India, so that's a complicated question because I I appreciate that. Yeah, maybe I did feel not represented, but I think that I searched for myself in people's personality, more yeah, than how they looked, um, and I was fortunate enough to grow up around brown girls, like all around me. So yes and no. Since I left you, yeah, God, that's so visually beautiful. I watch it, I'm like, I feel like I get like shivers, and it's so beautiful. How did you feel making that video? Um, I actually, so the the day before I made the Don't Let Me Down video, and I'd rehearsed for that because I was aware that there was going to be three dancers behind me, and I was aware that I was going to have to sing the track faster than it was to create the slow motion kind of beautiful thing that goes on in it with the arms. Um, but with since I left you, I told myself to not get into it. And the director, Leon, actually said to me, I'm going to tell you something on set. And I told myself not to get into it until I was standing on set and it was go time. But just before I was, we were going to press record, I, um, like I do at shows, I just need moments to get into my like zone. It's almost like 
you got to tap into something. Mm. Um, and it was quite annoying because there was this photographer who just kept trying to take pictures of me. And I was like, bro, like, you know what? I'm going to be sitting on set for the next eight hours. Like, you can take photos. Just let me have, like, a minute to get this right for myself. Like, I really want to get this right. It's a really important song to me. It's a torch song, you know, and it's um, and it has the capacity to reach a lot of people. Not in a commercial way, in just an emotional way. It's a yeah. story of so many. And I haven't written that many songs like that. You know, it's a very special song. And that's not me blowing my own trumpet. That just is what it is. It's no, it is. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's and I, so I beautiful. genuinely think so as well. And and, um, and Leon told me some stuff on set. It just absolutely broke me. And I was already quite broken from getting back into the headspace that I was at when I wrote the song. It was so beautiful, but it was so, so difficult. Yeah, the whole The whole set cried. So it was, um, it was intense. Sounds intense. Yeah, it was. But you created something really like, beautiful. Like, it was all mad. How would you say you've evolved since you started writing? I think there's a tiny bit more level of sophistication in this EP, the Perception EP. And it's, a, it's, it's just as like versatile as Reminiscence, I think. That, to be honest with you, I just like the songs. I, just, I was like, well, these are the ones I haven't put on a, yep. anything, so I'll put these on. So you're writing an album then at the moment? I think so. Is an album, does it work that you, once you've got the songs, it's an album or? So I think, yeah, EPs are national and albums are kind of international in the sense that, not in a commercial sense, in like a meaningful sense, I think that albums just have more ground and mm. have more root and have more like stance basically. So I think that it would be silly of me not to put songs from my EPs onto the album. Yeah. Um, and obviously, write, like, I'm writing, I'm writing, writing, so new songs will be on there too. But just to give them, like, the, the time of day, and also I'm not a machine. Yeah. Like, I got, you know, I had to do a few things to write those songs. So I don't have loads of downtime to be doing all the stuff I did in those songs, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and <laughs> you're, like, you're almost 21, you are not old. Yeah, I know, but still, it's just like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> You've played quite a few festivals this year. How is Glastonbury? Nerve-wracking and kind of, like, over and underwhelming. Do you think that you have, like, really big expectations of things? But no. So I then you're then underwhelmed. I'm a pessimist, I'll be honest with you. You have, like, the preconceived ideas that everyone creates, you know, like, that's the biggest festival in the world. That's just a fact. So, obviously, you're going to have, like... You're going to be like, Jesus, I'm going to be able to walk. Am I going to have, like, a panic attack? <laughs> you know, um... Am I going to fight with someone? I, do, I end up getting in fights. It's so terrible. But do you really? Cool. Just like end up shouting at people. Like or they end up shouting at me. I don't know. I'm not. I didn't give off that vibe, and I think that I left those energies back here, so I was okay. And um, it was, it was fun. Like it was really fun. It was. Um, it was. It was long though. You know, I did Saturday. I did uh, the TV performance, and Sunday I did. Um, my own set and it's not like I can lug around a guitar free art class and reach out me. So um, a lot of preparation, a lot of organisation. I think that one day I'd actually like to go and just do it as a punter. Did you not stay and then just have like a nice I time after? I the whole weekend. Yeah. But like it's just that, you know, the the amount of headspace that that needs that you need mm. for doing shows, you know, you, you require a lot of energy. Yeah. And I just you get kinda of tired and you get like a bit of a calm down after. So do you then like after a show you need to take time to like recoup essentially, yeah. Recouping in a magnus is different, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I saw you play Latitude and it just looked like you were having a really nice time. How long have you been with your band for? Um my bass player and my guitarist I've known for years. Yeah. More than two or three years. My guitarist is probably the longest. Or maybe bass probably the same. Um and then the 
drummer Smiley started uh, last year. Nice. Yeah, and he's amazing. I wouldn't want anyone else to tell you that. I feel like in your songs, you come across as someone who's quite certain of who they are. Would you say that's true? Yes and no. Yeah? Yes and no. <laughs> I've been quite a consistent character. It's very odd. It's so odd that my personality has been pretty the same since I was a kid. Mm. If I showed you pictures of me, you'd just be like, yeah, you look mad. Like, I just was a nutter and I think I still am. I'm now an adult, do you know what I mean? It's just different. Do you think that you need to know yourself to be able to survive in the music industry to a certain extent you need to be you just need to be strong you need to have um you know big clear energy just fucking balls where would you say you've got that from or just like oh my god you've grown up with it i've just been kicked about my whole life just like from from like i think like anyone a lot of artists like i've noticed all my friends that are artists all been through mad shit and a lot of people in general in life have been through mad shit and 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 it's a blessing and a curse because you know too much. You can know too much. And not that's not an age thing, just in general, you can be a lot... There's like being... Sometimes ignorance is very, very bliss. Oh, yeah, I agree, 100%. And I think that when, you're, um, when you didn't grow up with... When you grew up with questions in your head or mental health issues or, or then, like, environmental issues, like, within your family or whatever, I think that you um, you just see more... Yeah. And it's almost like, that's why I said be strong, because you even if you're someone that doesn't see more, it's fi- it will find a way to kind of hit you. It's your career, you know? It's not, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the uh, stereotypes of the music industry, because a lot of them are true. A lot of the stereotypes about fashion, a lot of the stereotypes about working a nine-to-five are true, you know? Um, and so you sign up and you know that. Yeah. So it's just about being strong and sustaining yourself and, and almost being a little bit crazy and, like, believing in yourself. So you have to go soon, and we should probably talk about being a female in music because that's kind of what you know the whole podcast is about who would you say were your inspirations growing up female artist wise i liked kate nash i loved kate nash yeah i loved her a lot i used to get my hair cut like her love nina simone love lily allen i always get comparisons to amy winehouse but i didn't really listen to her growing Mm. up that much i was more into like kate nash and lily allen Lillian sick as well. I think it was just a little bit past my like, era, but I loved it as well. And I got when I got older, I understood it a bit more. Yeah. Um, just because she's a little bit more naughty <laughs> and great for the teens. And probably um, yeah, Nina's one of my favourites. And Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald, um, Eartha Kitt. Nice. Yeah. So comparison. You said you've been compared to Amy Winehouse. Do you ever get annoyed with the comparisons? Do you ever feel like... Just a bit like I'm not her. Yeah. She's incredible. She's in, she's her own person in her own right, and she wrote about her situations. We may have similar influences. We both like jazz, I guess. But, like, who am I to Amy Winehouse? No one. Like, Amy's sick, and Lauren's sick, and these girls are their own. I don't know, you just don't, like, see interviews with, like current male artists where they're like you really remind me of jeff barkley no absolutely it's It's such a female thing that the media feels or just people in general feel that they have to compare women to other women and it's irritating yeah it's like why can't you just be except that influence can be shared you know like uh, or steph london similar to Nicki minaj well like maybe they're from similar parts of the world or maybe because they've been through similar things but it's not i don't think like anyone actively went out and when I'm going to be that person. 
100 percent Some people try, but I think when you imitate it as well, it just ends up being shit. Yeah. I read that um, you worked with a male producer who sort of like undermined your writing abilities and then you bounced back from it. Mm-hmm. How did you find the confidence to like come back when someone just is... Strength through work. Yeah. I just, my dad was like, you should just make a mixtape and produce it yourself. Um, and it's for no one but yourself. Like, just do it. Spend, spend from now, September to December doing that. Mm-hmm. I did it. Did I learned you... how to use Logic in three months. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. Just, like, sat at home. Yeah. But I'm actually making beats and stuff. I'm currently trying to learn how to use it and not doing very well. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do a class. The best way to learn is by sitting with it and just, like, having fun. Yeah. And not having expectations and watching YouTube videos. So, lastly, um, what advice would you give to any young females who are sort of dreaming of doing what you're doing? I would say strength through work, walk with purpose and be very strong and whatever it takes to be strong and not like there's no such thing as like there's no such thing as a self-destructive artist you don't need to go through like you don't have to put yourself through hell to make music I think that's a a preconception with jazz as well Um, because obviously the women the most famous women in jazz are like super I've been through so much but I don't think you have to put yourself through things to to say something or be passionate about something nice I think that's amazing advice thank you so much for your time today it's been really nice